0: go to your room Talking about joy and, and what I was thinking about when Julie was talking about joy was in Ephesians uh, the thirty first verse and thirty-second also it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And if you don't have joy, you can't do that. You just cannot do it. You know, Christians, if we're children of God, we have no right to bring anger and clamor and bitterness and slander into the midst of everybody else. We have no right to do that. It's an affront to calling yourself a Christian. Now, sometimes I forget that, and sometimes all of us forget it, but we shouldn't. It's something that we ought to do. Uh, just quickly, uh, just a brief message, but first I got an email from Young Cho, And um, uh, just for those that don't know, Young Chol from South Korea, he was here for about four years working on his PhD in electrical engineering and then he went back to Korea for maybe three or four years and then he came back last year as a visiting scholar for one year. So we know him quite well, he and his family. And uh, I had sent him an email just briefly. I said, where have you been? We had the Christmas party and you didn't show up. (laughs) So we left the tables out so you could put them back where they belong when you come back again. (laughs) And I got a reply from him about a week later, yesterday as a matter of fact. He says, thank you for checking up on me and I apologize for the late response. I'm swamped with work since I came back to Korea, which is very usual. I saw some of the pictures taken at the Christmas party through Facebook and I thought that you must have been busy. Preparing Christmas party was fun and very meaningful time for me. I do miss you and your family as always, especially Christmas time. I won't forget the gifts that we have received at your house. Sharon and Minji, his daughters, are doing good, and they're very busy too. I really hope that you and your family will have a wonderful time at Christmas time. Best regards, Young cho. So, um, he teaches in the Korean Military Academy. He's, he's head of their electrical engineering department. So... He's very busy, I'm sure. All right. I'm almost ready. I say it this is a young old Right. there are a lot of things that come to mind when we think about the Christmas story the second chapter of Matthew tells about the wise men that followed a supernatural star to the home where they saw Jesus and his mother and no matter what the song says that we just listened to they didn't find the baby lying in a manger yes they did The visit was sometime after Jesus' birth, probably around a year or a little bit later in his life. And they uh, gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And these wise men wouldn't have realized it, but they were fulfilling prophecy with these gifts that they gave Jesus. More than 700 years before that, Isaiah the prophet said this in Isaiah, Uh, 60, the first six verses, 720 or 30 years before Jesus was born, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising." Lift up your eyes around about and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar. And your daughters will be carried in the arms. Then you will see and be radiant. And your heart will thrill and rejoice. Because the absence of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. A multitude of camels will cover you the young camels of Midian and Ephra, and those from Sheba will come. They will bring gold and frankincense and will bear good news of the praises of the Lord. So here, at the very early part of Jesus' life, you've got the Gentiles bringing the wealth of the nations To the king of Israel. 700 and some years earlier. Isaiah said that's what they would do. Another story. Comes from Luke's gospel. In the second chapter. And he tells us about the shepherds. About stables. And about mangers. The shepherds were in the field at night. Watching over their flocks. Most likely animals to be used in the temple sacrifices that were coming up. And shepherds were a despised group of people. Because their occupations kept them from keeping the ceremonial laws of Israel. And they were basically regarded as thieves. They were considered unreliable and undesirable and because of that they were not allowed to give testimony in courts because of their supposed character or lack of it yet in spite of all these things that men thought about the shepherds this is the group that God chose to send his angel to communicate the birth of his son only twice in the four gospels is Jesus called savior And one of them is to the shepherds. Matthew says, The wise men fell down and worshipped the child Jesus. Luke says the shepherds returned after seeing the baby, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. Last week, Jessica spoke from John chapter 1. That tells us Jesus is the Word of God who existed from all eternity with the Father. John 1 9, 1, 9 says, The true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. And verse 14 in John 1 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the wise men worshiped Jesus. The angels told the shepherd, the baby, lying in a manger, was a Savior, Christ the Lord. And John tells us he existed long before he took on human form. In fact, there was never a time when he didn't exist. And yet there's another group of verses that may be the most important that you rarely or will never see on a Christmas card. Because they're not in the account of Jesus' birth. Instead, they're in a darker passage of Scripture that recounts a system of slaughter of bulls and goats that are bleeding out their innocent lives taking the place of those that deserve to die. You know the Bible is about Jesus. It's from Jesus. It's about Jesus. And if we've got, if we're going to understand the Bible, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Every book is about him, even if it's not patently obvious, and sometimes you have to read it closely to see it. But it's a story about how Jesus came and did what we couldn't do for ourselves in order to bring us back into a right relationship with God. It's a story, as you know, about man's sin and rebellion against God and how God had a plan from the beginning to restore man to himself. Before Jesus came, God set up a temporary system of sacrifices to cover the people from their sins. To cover them, not to remove them. For many hundreds of years, the blood of bulls and goats and sheep were offered on the altar as a stopgap, as a temporary measure until the permanent sacrifice came. From Moses until the time of Christ, Tens of thousands of animals were offered before God to make atonement a covering for the sins of the people. This is what it says in the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 10, the first four verses. the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, because the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have consciousness of, of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. All of these Old Testament sacrifices were just a shadow of what was to come. A shadow can never show us a complete picture of the real thing it can only give us a bare outline of reality and more than that once the real thing has come the real form has come the shadow's irrelevant anymore you don't need it anymore because now you've got the real thing the blood of bulls and goats could not cleanse sins from the soul it couldn't cleanse our guilty conscience and it couldn't satisfy the righteous requirements of a holy God. The sacrifices were a temporary fix whose purpose was to point man toward the final reality that was to come. Again, verse 4 says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. The next three verses in Hebrews are the verses that I was talking about this is part of the Christmas story, although it doesn't say anything about the Christmas story. And the next three verses, verses 5 through 7, <clears throat> in Hebrews 10, says, therefore, because, therefore, which means because of what happened before, saying that it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, and to therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering you have not desired but a body you have prepared for me in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins you have taken no pleasure then i said behold i have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will O god All of the sacrifices in the Old Testament were animals, of course. But the sacrifice of Jesus was a sacrifice of willingness. The animals had no real part to play except to die. They didn't volunteer for it. They were picked (coughs) out of a herd or a flock based on their lack of any blemish. Because if they had a blemish, they couldn't be sacrificed. So that was the only thing that qualified them. And they were put to death to cover man's sin, not to wash it away. Man's Man owes the debt for sin, and eventually man has got to pay for it, not animals. And only a man without sin, <clears throat> one without any debt, could cover another person's debt. And only a man who is more than a man could cover, could ever pay for the sin of multitudes. In some incredible way, the eternal son of God said to his father, here I am. I will do your will in this body you have chosen for me and I will bleed to death in perfect payment for sin that's why jesus came to earth these verses in hebrews come from psalm 40 verses 6 and 7 but verse 5 in psalm 40 adds to the wonder of 6 and 7 which is repeated here in hebrews 10 verse 5 reads you have multiplied O lord my god Your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. God preparing a body for his son. And the son said, I will come. God has multiplied. his wondrous deeds and thoughts toward us. He prepared, prepared a body for his son, one that would be offered as a sacrifice for the sins of all who would believe in him. The old sacrificial system was only a shadow, a type, and could never really truly <laughs> cleanse from sin. It's been set aside. It's no longer valid. The eternal Son assumed a human body in order to accomplish the will of God. So the Christmas story is here in Hebrews, and it's linked to the carrying out of the will of God and preparing a body for His Son to live a perfect life and redeem mankind. God didn't send another prophet, He didn't send an angel. But he personally came and he didn't come in the form of god but in the form of a servant and he came according to galatians 4 4 when the fullness of time was come at exactly the right time is when he came he came when the sinfulness of man and his utter helplessness to remove himself from his misery, had been completely demonstrated. He came when the powerlessness of the sacrificial system had been made plain. It had been shown to be ineffective because no matter how many times they were done, no matter how many times the animals were sacrificed, They were always performed by people that could not and would not perfectly obey God. And sacrifices bring no pleasure to God if they're not accompanied by a resolve of obedience. If the sacrifices do not produce obedience, they're meaningless. But Jesus came in the body The Father had prepared for him, and he came to do your will, O God. That will was to remove all the effects of sin and eventually the sinful nature at the end of our life and to give us his righteousness. In in Christ, God reached out his arms to us, but in order for him to do that, A body had to be prepared. A baby had to be born. Christmas is God doing something about our situation. It's God preparing a body for Jesus. It's the word made flesh and dwelling among us. It's the good news of great joy for all people. That was announced to the shepherds by the angel. It's the wise men falling down and worshiping the child and giving him gifts from the Gentile nations. Christmas is the gift of God of Himself to us. Just pray. What a wonderful child. Who can imagine the mind of God to do such a wonderful thing that's incomprehensible to us. In eternity past, before the world was, to have a communion between the, the Trinity. The Father telling the Son he's going to prepare a body for him. And the Son says, To do your will, O God, I have come and the spirit birthing the baby and the virgin lord who can grasp it it's such a wonder and lord we just rejoice it's it's the joy of the lord that tells us this is true and that that witnesses to our spirit lord we just pray that uh during this time and not just during this time, but all times, we would forever just grasp and embrace and receive the joy of the Lord so that we might truly show that we are sons and children of the living God. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.